0: Welcome to Future Proof, the marketing podcast from Saeed Business School, University of Oxford, and Kantar, the marketing insights and consulting company. In each episode, we'll have a frank discussion with industry experts to help brands and business leaders navigate the changing landscape of marketing and hopefully dispel some myths and misconceptions along the way.
1: I'm Andrew Stephen, the L'Oreal Professor of Marketing and Associate Dean of Research at the Said Business School. On today's podcast, we're going to be talking about all things social media advertising uh, with, with a particular focus on advertising on the Facebook and Instagram platforms uh, because we have a guest from Facebook, Ian Edwards, who's the planning director for Northern Europe uh, at Facebook. So we're going to talk to Ian uh, shortly and uh, discuss sort of what works and what doesn't work uh, when we're advertising on social media. Um, But before that, we thought we would get into talking about a little bit of research that Oxford, Facebook and Kantar have been doing exactly on this topic of uh, social media advertising effectiveness. But Jane, perhaps you want to sort of talk first about the background to this research.
0: Yeah, I think one of the things that uh, we've been looking at for quite some time um, through working with Facebook is looking at the effectiveness of campaigns from a brand point of view, but individually, client by client. And obviously, we feed them insights from those results, and Facebook will um, share those results with their clients. But nobody had ever done a meta-analysis before, like looked at all of these studies in aggregate all around the world um, to see if there are any bigger, more strategic points that can be made and I think the other background really to this was that also there was a lot of conversation going on in the marketplace at the time about you know social media advertising driving sales and it's all about performance marketing it's all about the short term and I think nobody had really delved into the question about what social media advertising does for brands and that's one, one of the things we wanted to explore with you.
1: Kenton Millwood Brown has, has done a, a lot of uh, measurement studies for, for specific campaigns. Um, but we were fortunate enough to pull together data from about 18 months uh, going uh, up to about the middle of 2017. This, this covered 235 campaigns from 110 different brands. And it's a global data set. So mainly in the US and UK and Canada, but but covering um, the globe or most of it, uh, shall we say, and also covering a lot of industries. and And the idea simply was to take a look at the brand lift performance. So, so these are not sort of short-run sales conversion campaigns. Uh, they're looking at things like um, using advertising to generate brand awareness or, or purchase intent or those sorts of upper funnel or, or, or brand type metrics. And what was quite interesting, actually, is is when we looked at sort of everything all just lumped together, there was there was really a big range of of uh, performance performance measured by by brand lift. And so, pretty big range which to a researcher like myself and, and, and my research team on this, we thought that's pretty interesting because variance is good, but maybe for advertisers it, it opens up some questions because if you uh, ran a campaign and you didn't get a huge lift, then you'd probably want to understand you know what was going on. So so really the research headed into the direction of trying to figure that out um, with the idea being hopefully that uh, marketers can can therefore optimize Um, with a little bit more deeper insight into what works and what doesn't work
0: you know, actually, there was, wasn't was a lot of variation in terms of region or in terms of categories, which actually I had assumed that there probably would be. But where the variations were, were in terms of um, the kind of ads that seem to p- perform particularly well. Now, in this analysis, my understanding, we couldn't actually look at the creative, it was simply the, the media impact, um, the brand impact of, of those particular campaigns. But I think it's probably worth asking Ian at this point as well, and thinking about looking at things like being human and personable in advertising.
2: The key thing for me is that uh, understanding the context of the media platform that you're using and then building advertising that fits within that context is absolutely crucial. Um, And I think for me, seeing the fact that advertisers who used more uh, human language um, in their own organic posts on their page were actually performing better in, in, in terms of the advertising that they were producing and building. It wasn't a particular surprise because we think that they understand how to use that platform, how to engage with people who are coming to Facebook, coming to Instagram, you know, to be inspired, to, 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 to hear human stories and, and, and carrying that tone of voice through into their advertising. I think is a is a great way to capture people's attention create things that are interesting and relevant uh and there's nothing more interesting and relevant than than humanizing a brand
1: yeah and i think the uh the point about you mentioned capturing attention is really critical here um, because the the effects that we found in the research were strongest for the very top of funnel um, brand lift metrics so so awareness generation basically getting actually people to slow down as they're thumbing through a newsfeed is a big challenge. And so it was really, to me at least, when we when we um, were doing the analysis, pretty interesting to see that the strongest effects were around awareness generation for these um, ads that were coming from brands that were really acting in a social, human, somewhat informal manner, but still true to the brand's identity, but but really kind of being more like a person.
0: It's quite an interesting conundrum though, isn't it? So on the one hand, you've got to kind of fight for attention within a news feed where you're looking at loads of other stuff anyway. Um, On the other hand you have to fit in and behave like a person would. And they've also got another issue actually which is they've got to do something different or bespoke or appropriate for individual platforms and yet it has the campaign has to be coherent across a whole load of different media channels you know traditional digital the, the lot so from an advertiser point of view it's quite a difficult task isn't it they've got to do everything at once
2: yeah absolutely and um, i mean what we're seeing and uh, the majority of the, uh, ca- the the campaigns that went into this study were video And what we're seeing is advertisers really starting to understand how video works on social Mm. platforms like Instagram and Facebook. And what we've seen over the last two or three years is that they have to adapt and not use a 30-second TV ad on the platform um, and just see video as one generic um, type of media. They have to see that the the video on Facebook and Instagram is actually something really fundamentally different. And they have to adjust how they tell the the narrative arc of the the story they're trying to get across in their advertising as you say, the consumer on Facebook and Instagram is absolutely in control. They're thumbing through uh, lots and lots of different content and in fact we think that the average consumer, we know the average consumer, thumbs through um, roughly the size of Big Ben every single day on their news feed. So (laughs) that's that's what you're up against, is people moving very, very quickly and in total control. And advertisers have to adjust, they have to grab attention, create what we call thumb-stopping moments. Um, to capture the consumer's attention and then deliver their message very, very quickly, often. And if they want the consumer to spend more time with them, they have to earn that attention and keep the consumer with them. And I think as we've seen from the study, you know, using tricks that, that, that personalise and humanise uh, the, the, the story that you're telling is a powerful tool to use.
0: Data is a huge part of how Facebook advertising is delivered. You know how you behave on the platform, um, you know determines what what kind of ads you might see. So, is there, are there changes going on at Facebook?
2: The most important thing for us as a business is that our users feel that we're using their data in an appropriate way that they're comfortable with, mm-hmm. and that they have transparency about how we're using that data. Um, and we've made a huge number of changes. Um, which have been well publicised, but things like um, if you click on the top right-hand corner of an ad, you'll see why you can, you can see why you're being targeted with that particular piece of advertising. Mm-hmm. You can choose to opt out of advertising if you want to um, for that for that particular advertiser or that category. And I guess the biggest, the, the, the single biggest change for me would be around partner categories. And so, partner categories, people like Axiom and Experian, who will take data and merge that with the platform. We, we, we don't do that automatically anymore. The advertiser has to go off and seek the right permissions from that particular user um, that they're comfortable with their data being incorporated and, and used for advertising purposes.
1: The platforms need to innovate, as do the advertisers. Facebook updates an algorithm, the advertiser then has to figure out how to adjust accordingly as they're sort of doing the day in, day out work of, of social media advertising. And so I guess um, that's just part of the reality for, for marketers now, but I, but I think in terms of innovation and uh, in terms of, let's say ad units, it gets really interesting, right? So, so Ian mentioned video, and so this, this study, I think it was about 80% of the campaigns had at least one video unit in them. Video is not just video, there's lots of different types of video. Uh, and I, and I, I remember having a conversation with with one of your colleagues, Ian, at, at, at uh, Facebook, You know, on the roadmap for this year, a large number of new ad units or variants on on existing ad un- units. And like, you know, on the one hand, when I first heard that, I thought, well, wow, those poor marketers who are having to <laughs> to deal with this all the time, I mean, that's exhausting. But I think that's you know, to to your point about, uh, in some sense, keeping the users happy. And um, hopefully delivering them the right type of content and the right place, the right time—that's relevant to them. I guess there's an innovation imperative.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And it's—you know—it's it's interesting. One of the, 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 I guess, the challenges that I get back from advertisers when I speak at conferences or speak with advertisers around their individual campaigns, is why, why doesn't Facebook just bring out one standard ad product <laughs> for video, that would make my life really, really easy. Um, you know, there's been a lot of uh, talk in industry, I, I guess, around the, the MRC standard for video, so two second video views with 50% of the video in in screen as a standard definition. But what's interesting is that we, we believe we have to give advertisers the flexibility to buy the ad unit that, that delivers value back to their business, and it's not as easy as having one standard format. Um, planning and advertising are, are about trade-offs, there's no, no exact one-size-fits-all across different advertisers, across different campaigns within the same advertiser often. Um, and you have to take lots of different things into consideration. You know, One of the stats I think is, 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 is fascinating is the fact that when an advertiser buys a longer duration, so a two-second completed view or a ten-second completed view on the platform, that has a huge impact on their targeting what we see is uh, an almost perfect R-squared score as the older consumers get, the slower they go through newsfeed. So, the longer they spend with each individual story. Now, I, you know, being, being towards the older end, I like to think that that's their a more discerning, considered audience, possibly. Um, it might be cognitive decline, I don't know, but, but we see it in the data that there are just huge, uh, huge differences between a, you know, a, a 19-year-old and a 55-year-old going through newsfeed. And if we allowed advertisers just to buy on duration, it would skew their advertising much older. So we have to allow advertisers to buy in the way that delivers value for them. And that's why, you know, working with Kantar Millwood-Brown, working with, with Oxford, helping advertisers understand these trade-offs and, and and the value, because there are differences in price that you'd also be paying for those things. So understanding the opportunity for them that delivers back to their business and back to their brand is, is, is one of the key things we try to do. And with that, we have to provide variation and 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 innovation within our ad products.
0: A few years ago, when you were thinking about media and creative, you have you know a creative unit, and you bought a, a media space that would occupy it. And now, um, as you've both said, you know we now have format to take into consideration, whether it's a long form or a short form, or whether it's you know skippable, or whether it's got sound or not. So actually, you know, there are a lot of different variables for advertisers to take into into account.
1: All of these things are intertwined. And mm-hmm. actually the the, the example uh, Ian just gave about you know, I jotted down on my notes here, older people scroll slowly, which is probably not the exact way to th- have that take away, but there's a, there's a, there's a correlation there, right? So, so there's something about user behavior in here as well. And so it's sort of user behavior, the type of channel, the type of brand, how the brand communicates, its tone of voice, its, its sort of identity or personality, what else is going on in the, the feed as well, or what other stories are sort of in that person or that users uh, mix of course, format, creative style. I mean, we, we could come up with, you know, a very, very long list of these things. I think the key is, and this this goes into some of the things I think we're thinking about next, with sort of the next phase of this research, the so sort of this year's version, is to try and look at these more complex interrelationships between these, these variables or these buttons that advertisers could push, and to, I think, figure out which ones matter more, uh, and also knowing which ones are sort of correlated positively versus negatively so that if you do one thing and you know the negative correlations the ones I'd worry about if you do do one thing then it hurts you on something else or it makes it harder to get traction on something else
2: yeah and I think from our perspective in terms of you know kind of you know what do we absolutely know seems to deliver value at the moment um, the first number one variable that is, is absolutely crucial is that you build creative that is fit for feed for a feed environment that delivers your message quickly, captures attention in the first, you know, in the first three seconds, and creates those thumb-stopping moments. The other thing, which uh, we are perhaps the most targetable platform out there, and I think a trap that advertisers often fall into is doing micro-targeted campaigns where you layer on lots and lots of yeah. different targeting options, and you can end up with quite a small audience. Um, and What happens with that, the more you layer on different targeting options, the the higher the price you pay at an individual level is, because the the way Facebook works is on an auction, and the more targeting there is, the, the, the less supply you have, so the auction price will increase. And you have to understand the trade-off between introducing elements of targeting and that having an impact in terms of the performance of the advertising unit and the line we often use around targeting at the moment is what is the minimum amount of personalization for the maximum amount of impact so what's the minimum amount of targeting that you can add in to make your advertising relevant to a large group of people Um, and we also you know we do talk about trying to target broadly in terms of target the whole market and then creating meaningful segmentation. So don't just segment for the uh, the sake of creating segments, but making sure that those are meaningful differences, uh, whereby creating different creative and campaigns for those audiences, it will have a disproportionate impact in terms of the outcome.
0: General sort of industry narrative at the moment seems to be that, you know, most um, advertisers in most categories need to get the right balance between campaigns that are designed to achieve... Mass reach, you know, uh, reaching existing and hopefully potentially new customers mm-hmm. as well, and an appropriate level of targeting. And the joke version that everyone always talks about is, you know, targeting left-handed golfers in Arizona, <laughs> you know, which obviously, you know, is probably going to be fairly expensive on on Facebook, I, I would imagine.
1: I certainly subscribe to the belief that um, precision targeting can be a good thing to do. I'm, I'm, I'm probably not one of the people who would go out and say, I'll oh, just mass reach, reach everyone and anyone because mm-hmm. why not? Uh, I don't think that's particularly efficient, but but there's a diminishing return to the efficiency of, of precision targeting as, as those audiences get too small. The other thing actually is if you go really narrow, uh, you better know that that is the right audience. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it's very easy also to get into sort of this performance marketing uh, efficiency. I want to drive down my cost per whatever, um, without thinking about the other part of that equation, which is the the returns I'm going to get, mm-hmm. because it might therefore be um worth going precise if those golfers in arizona who are left-handed are going to have a massive lifetime value well
2: there's a couple a couple of points there. i think the the, one of the big things that we're wrestling with at the moment and i think as an industry is who does the targeting Mm -hmm. um and so one of the things that we see at facebook is obviously the algorithm um, take signals around your advertising. So the the advertiser sets up their objective. What do they want to achieve? For, you know, brand awareness or conversions or app downloads, etc. Um, and then the algorithm will go out. And then as the campaign progresses, the algorithm will learn the types of people um, that the advertising should be placed in front of. And one of the one of my early conversations when I joined Facebook was with our head of auction analytics. And you know, my background is a planner and you know, I felt the media agency, you know, should own, you know, define the audience mm. and come up with that, that that insight, the killer insight and define that audience. And the, the head of auction analytics said to me, don't do that Ian, go broad and let the algorithm um, determine the types of people based on signals that it's collecting in real time and will optimise and improve the campaign as it progresses. That's been really easy to do for direct response campaigns because you're collecting very, very hard mm. signals, but we're also now starting to see that come into things like brand awareness objectives. So you can now buy a brand awareness objective, and the campaign will start to optimise using signals around uh, w- like which people do you need to reach and to, to deliver higher levels of brand awareness.
0: So does that mean that you're putting media planners out of a job?
2: It's an interesting point. That's, uh, that's uh, um, certainly not. No, I, I think diplomatic answer. Diplomatic <laughs> answer. Certainly not. No, absolutely. I mean, my my background is you know I spent 14 years as a media planner, and I think agencies add huge amounts of value. Um, and there are two parts of that. There is the there's the the creative element to that. The plan you know, I don't think algorithms will ever replace creativity. That leap from you know having an insight having lots and lots of data and turning that into amazing advertising that is you know you know really really creative um, that won't happen so that, that that element of planning will always exist for me um, in terms of media planners you know creating insights around a market around an audience that role will still exist. I think what we need to do is understand and be a practitioner about how these new technologies, are allowing optimisation to happen in real time. And I think what we're doing is we're we're, we're helping lift some of the burden from media planners in terms of having to do real time analysis um, and we're automating a lot of that. Um, So it's essentially freeing them up to spend more time thinking about understanding the audience and creating the campaigns in the first place rather than the day to day optimisation.
1: Um, Maybe you know we forget about this sometimes but setting clear objectives knowing your customers so that if you wanted to get very, very precise in terms of building up that audience profile, you certainly could, even though there's there's gonna be probably some point at which that goes too far. And you kinda do wanna let, I think in, in a um, el- algorithmic uh, environment, be it Facebook or Instagram or any of the other social platforms or sort of programmatic display, um, you know, more generally also, you wanna let the algorithms figure this out because the machine learning behind that has Has um, a better sense than any of us individuals have at picking up on those little signals.
2: You can only optimize what you put in to start with, so you need to put brilliant work into the machine to start with to allow it to optimize. And I think you know, making sure that planners are spending their time thinking about understanding the marketing objectives that they're trying to achieve against which particular audience starts from a much better place than just you know putting in random you know, content onto the platform and hoping that that will optimise and the machine will do it all. You know, you have to set it up in the right way. Um, and to play to the strengths, you know, what are people good at, what are planners good at, what kind of insight do they create, and then what, what, what do algorithms do really, really well and what optimization do they bring, um, and allowing those two elements to, to, to work to their, you know, in, in the best way possible.
0: So do you spend a lot of time explaining how your algorithms work to advertiser clients? Yeah, I, or do they ask you that question?
2: Oh, yeah. I mean, all yeah. the all the time. I mean, yeah. I, it, it's one of those things that when I when I joined Facebook, I thought that my role was going to be, you know, kind of shooting for the moon and helping us deliver those kind of game changing campaigns. But actually, yeah. where the real value is is helping advertisers and agencies understand. How the platform works, how you set up the right campaigns, how you collect the right signals through using the you know the pixel in the right places and using using SDK on mobile, um, and making sure you're collecting those signals and making sure that you've got your brilliant basics set up. Um, to allow the machine to work as effectively as possible and actually I think you know for me rather than like looking at the new innovative stuff the one-off campaigns that come down the line is helping advertisers make sense of this incredibly complex world and make sure they're set up to deliver those brilliant basics and that is where the huge opportunity lies for them to, to, to deliver impact to their business both around a brand and also around performance. One of my issues with you know, the industry is that people often say to me, you know, of advertising isn't rocket science, and mm. they say it in a disparaging way. Yeah. And I say, actually, no, advertising is a lot more complex than rocket science. <laughs> it's, it's at but least computer science. It, well, yeah. it's computer science, but be, be, you know, like, like you know, a, a physicist has a fairly good idea about how to propel something into space. You know, the physics of that are quite well defined. Whereas what we're trying to do is influence the human brain and the human mind to mm-hmm. make decisions to pick a particular brand over something else. We have a very weak grasp on you know the human brain and Actually how those decisions are made at the moment and I think for me one of the most important things that we can do is work with academic institutions like Oxford and work with gui- uh, you know, organizations measurement partners like Kantar Millwood Brown to unpick and really start to understand how advertising is working in a mobile world.
1: The social media world in particular keeps on changing back to the point we talked about earlier with innovation uh, so therefore you kind of he- keep on having to refresh and, and actually the advice we give is well two things we we educate and try and also help explain to to our students and people who come on our programs uh and to to other sort of businesses organizations that we work with explain how this stuff works um in in a sort of research driven way so that the research we've been talking about is an example of of that um but then to also help people kind of focus on asking the right questions so they can experiment wisely Uh, and i think uh, whether that's doing A/B tests and and you know those sorts of experiments, or just sort of experiment in the broader sense of, you know what, allocate a bit of budget to just trying stuff, mm-hmm. um, and and be okay with that not working, as long as you kind of learn from those um, underperforming
2: moments, let's call them.
0: So, Ian, do Facebook ads actually work?
2: I'm just going to say yes. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, Facebook uh, drives drive, drives outcomes and drives business performance for the majority of advertisers. Um, but as I said, you know, throughout this podcast, there is a huge opportunity for advertisers to really become practitioners and understand the intricacies and the detail of how to set campaigns up with Facebook and Instagram to drive more value. Um, and the biggest mistake is treating Facebook and, and Instagram like a traditional media channel and just dumping your TV ads on there. Um, so if you do anything off the back of this is make sure that the creative you're building for Facebook and Instagram is fit for a newsfeed environment and it delivers those messages very quickly and captures people's attention.
0: You've been listening to Future Proof, the marketing podcast from Saeed Business School and Kantar. Find more episodes and related content at uk.cantar.com or at sbs.oxford.edu.
2: Thank you.